You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So you, you may know, if you don't know, I'm happy to tell you that we have a worship companion. I know a lot of the folks that are on the live stream use it quite a bit. But as you come in the sanctuary, as you leave today, you can take your phone and scan a QR code. And in the worship companion are all the scriptures that we read in the service, as well as the lyrics to the songs, as well as some prayer requests, as well as some information, uh, announcements and updates. They're all in the worship companion. And in particular today, I really felt like from the call to worship from Psalm 103 to the reading passage for the joy candle and that section from Isaiah to the passage of the scripture uh, that we read today from Zephaniah and from Luke and all of the lyrics to the song, they, all the songs that we sang are woven so beautifully together. I mean, it's really quite a tapestry about joy and about rejoicing. And of course, there's, there's no words to kind of put to the dance um, one of my favorite um, statements I've ever heard about dance was this. Uh, a ballerina had performed a ballet and someone came up afterwards and said, um, that was beautiful. It was so moving. Could you tell me what it, what it meant? And the ballerina said, if I could tell you, I wouldn't have needed to dance it. Right? The dance itself is its own form of communication that is not reducible to words. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but the Zephaniah passage that Ashley started with and the Luke passage that she ended with was a little bit of a whiplash for me. Like, Zephaniah comes at us like, rejoice, rejoice. Like, it's like the psalm that Grayson read. Come on, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, right? The old kind of 1980s um, praise and worship song or worship chorus we used to sing, or really it's kind of like a a 1000 BC uh, psalm. But anyway, um, rejoice, like God is here. Um, God's going to take care of you. God is close. He's near. He's in your midst. He's going to um, push away your judgments. He's going to keep your oppressors at bay. He's going to take care of the outcast. Um, He's going to turn those who... um, who has experienced shame into praise. Rejoice, rejoice, right? That seems very joy candly, right? That's like, you know, Jesus is about to be born. Here comes the Messiah. And then there's that Luke passage. <laughs> that Luke passage, if, if I could summarize the Zephaniah passage with rejoice, I, I would summarize the Luke passage with watch out, <laughs> You brood of vipers! <laughs> Beware the wrath of God! <laughs> you call yourselves children of Abraham. Our God can raise children of Abraham from these rocks. <laughs> like, surely there's somebody, somebody who's supposed to know something about church and Christianity you know, that kind of chooses these texts to be read at the same time. Like, how in the world, on Joy Week of Advent, 
did we get the Luke passage? All right. We're going to get there. But before we get there, I do want to back up and say a few things about that Zephaniah passage. It's just too good, and I don't want to skip over it. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. Now, I know that that's an ancient Hebrew prophet who was writing, you know, to the ancient Hebrews in ancient times. But as, as Christians who identify this as part of, you know, our sacred text, on this day, I want you all to hear that. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you and he has turned away your enemies. I know sometimes it's not always easy to, to have joy or to kind of maintain it. And I don't want you to think that somehow God is telling you just one more thing you need to do, right? You need to sin less and you need to be better and you need to rejoice. <laughs> it reminds me once, um, we were moving from California to Florida and Angela and at that time, uh, it was the two youngest girls, which was um, Hannah and Rebecca, had flown. So it's just Katie and me, and off we go. And uh, we're in the minivan, and it takes us way too long. Like, I had moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and gotten there in three and a half days, driving to U-Haul, pulling a mini, minivan on the back. And we had to stop because the air conditioner broke one day, and we spent half a day in Amarillo. Wasn't much to do, but anyway. And it's taken us like forever long to get back. Just, just me and Katie in the van. Because we have to stop for everything, right? We stop here, we stop there. And I'm wanting her to have, you know, this life experience. She's like 13 and I'm thinking, you know, she's going to remember this the rest of her life. Except I'm impatient, right? And, and, and things just aren't moving fast enough. So we, we stopped, I don't know, in nowhere, Arkansas, and watched a Spider-Man movie. And then we're, we're, we're coming up on the Mississippi, and she's got her little camera out, and she's trying to take some pictures. And I'm saying, here it is, here it is. Get your camera out. You're not ready. And I'm getting angry. And I'm like, I just want you to have a wonderful experience. <laughs> so I don't want you to hear that, right? God is not like me. He's not telling you to rejoice like giving you yet another thing you have to do. He wants you to hear the truth that he is near, that he is close, that he is not far away. And when he is near and he is close and he is not far away, you don't have to worry about being judged. You don't have to worry about your enemies coming to get you because he is like a mighty warrior. It says that in Zephaniah. He says, the Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you. Now, that's beautiful, folks. He is going to sing a song over us, exalting over you with loud singing. He says, I will save the lame, and I will gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. That's what it means to have the joy of the Lord. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you will receive, right? When the, the revelation of the nearness of God, that's what you need. There's not something, again, there's not something here for you to do when it comes to this. 
I mean, we do have this psalm, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Right. Come on, soul. <laughs> Pay attention, right? So there is a little bit of that. Sometimes we do need to, um, to wake up. We need somebody to help us with our perspective. We need to kind of be able to hear and know that God is near, that God is in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Israel was waiting for. And that's, that's the, the peace that comes, that's the hope that comes, that's the joy that comes when the Christ child is born. And it is good news. And it's especially good news for the lame and the outcast. For their shame will be turned into praise. But then we do get John the Baptist. <laughs> and he says, watch out, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to call yourselves or say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestors. And then he goes down this list of things, right? He says, if you have two coats, you need to share one of those coats with somebody else. If you have food, you need to share some of that food with someone else. And that's, that's what we're called to do. So we become active participants in what it means for God to be in the midst. We become agents of God's joy in that we become those who actively participate. Yesterday, a group of us, a pretty large group of us, gathered at Parker Street Ministries downtown to help volunteer in their Christmas store. We were agents of God's joy in that act. And for those of you that came, I want to thank you. And for those of you who brought gifts that we took over there, I want to thank you, right? That we, we actually participate in those things. It goes on, right? It's not just, you know, whoever has an extra coat or whoever has uh, food to share. Share it. Yes. But then he gets specific. He's like, for the tax collectors, right? That's the Democrats. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. Don't take up too much. And then he said, for the military, that's the Republicans. <laughs> Again, I'm joking. I'm joking. He's like, don't extort people. Be happy, be happy with what you have. Don't take what you should not take. And he says this. He says, they confused John with the Messiah, right? So they had this hope. They had this expectation, this anticipation that God would be faithful to his promise to send a deliverer. And so John comes and he's preaching this message of what this will be like. So much so that they say, is it possible that he's the one? That John's the one that we've been, we've been waiting for. And John's like, oh no, not me. This is, this is not what the coming, the coming of God looks like, Right? John, John, I think the Baptist, if I could be so bold, is more like me uh, than he is like Jesus. He's like the father who's like, I just want you to have a good experience, <laughs> right? He says, the one who's coming after me will baptize you in spirit and fire. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but growing up, you know, Pentecostal, we read that one a lot. You know, John baptized in water, but Jesus baptizes in spirit and fire, and we took the fire typically to mean like the fire of Pentecost, like boldness and power. Except that's not at all what John's saying here. Because he talks about 
a, a fire not that empowers. He talks about a fire that judges, right? He uses the metaphor of a winnowing fork, right? So if you, if you have some wheat and you cut it down, you have this big pile of wheat, right? You want the grains of wheat, but you don't want the stalk that it's on. So the stalk is heavier than the grain itself. So you take a winnowing fork, you stick it in your big pile, and you toss it up in the air. And you do that over and over, and the stalk will fall straight down because it's heavier. And the wheat that's on the stalk will float down because it's lighter, and it'll come over here. And you'll end up with two stacks, a stack of wheat and a stack of stalk. The wheat, of course, will will save and will grind up and will make bread. And the stalk we don't need anymore, so it gets burnt, right? So the fire here is talking about that which is judged, that which is taken away. Last week, we read um, from Malachi. Malachi, yeah. We read from Malachi, and uh, there it said, it talked about God coming like fire and like fuller soap. Remember that? So the fire was to refine and the fuller slope was to clean. So those, those are kind of two different ways in which God works, but they're not, they're not the same. They're, they're different. Here I think spirit and fire is much the same thing. To be baptized in the spirit is to be filled with the spirit of God. And we know what that's like. To be baptized with the spirit is to be full of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. That's what it's like to be filled with the spirit. But then for for Jesus to come and baptize us in fire, it means to burn away some things that need to be burned away. For us to be refined. So what I don't want you to hear is this. I don't want you to think that he's going to come and baptize in the spirit these nice people. And he's going to come baptize in fire these people. or, Or vice versa, right? What I want you to hear is that he's coming to baptize in spirit and fire, and we need all of that. We need to be baptized in the spirit so we can be full, right, of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit and walk in the spirit. And we need to be baptized with fire, right? We, too, need to be judged. We need to be separated from our sins. We need to be to lay aside those things. And if it's kind of hard for us to lay them aside, we need the Lord's help to do that, right? Like that's that needs to happen in me. I need all of that. And so I need both the Zephaniah, rejoice, and I need the John, watch out. <laughs> right? Because I think all of that, all of that is true. And all of those things together bring us to this, this life that we're talking about. The life of what it looks like when Christ comes. Now, you know we're, we're in this Advent series we call The Thrill of Hope. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And our Christmas Sundays are called The Weary World Rejoices. Today's service is called Sweet Hymns of Joy. Sweet Hymns of Joy. And we sang a lot of those Sweet Hymns of Joy. And again, I really encourage you to look up the worship companion and go back and look carefully at the lyrics of those hymns. They're really beautiful. And the the music is too. But I want to say this, that that line in the song, sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we, let all within us uh, praise his holy name. 
Let all within us praise his holy name. Again, that sounds so much to me like the psalm from the call to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I can hear my mom singing that now as she's getting ready. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Mm. Duchess. So rejoice. <laughs> Let all within us praise his holy name. But when I'm listening to the song... I believe that um, sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we is not simply something that we're being told about. It is a response to the previous line in the song. The previous line in the song says this, Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. This song was written in the 1840s. Do I have to remind you what was going on in the United States in the mid-19th century? Right? In the 1840s, somebody penned this song about O Holy Night. And it talks about when Christ comes, what will that look like? And part of what that will look like, will like, will look like is, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. This song became quite unpopular in the 1860s and 70s. It's a song that we need to hear yet again today. And then the next line, and this is again what I think Sweet Hymns of Joy is a response to this good news, right? Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. In his name all oppression shall cease. But my question is, what will that look like? What will it look like for all oppression to cease? And I think it looks like two things. In the big picture, it's like what Zephaniah talked about. We serve a mighty warrior, right? The mighty warrior is in our midst and we should rejoice because the the lame and the outcast are being gathered in. So it is the work that God does. But I think if we're listening carefully to to John the Baptist and what he was saying there in the Gospel of Luke, we are to be participants in what that looks like. In his name, all oppression shall cease. Well, what does that look like? It looks like this. When we share our second coat and we share our extra food, when we don't take what's not ours, when we don't extort others, right, then we become... Like Christ, agents of that. So in his name, all oppression shall cease. We are the ones who live in his name. We we become that reality. The joy of the Lord is realized in the lives of others when we live faithfully. Our joy is can be realized in the very fact that it's not relying on us, right? We put our trust in God, our God who is near, who is in the midst, who is a mighty warrior. I was thinking of this, you know, all all the Advent stuff that we talk about, about the birth of the Christ child, constantly pushes us forward, right, to the work of Christ, to the life of Christ. 
in particular to the death and resurrection of Christ. And John, John said this, you brood of vipers, what are you trying to do? Avoid the wrath of God? And the wrath of God does come, and it comes against sin and death. And there's this passage in Romans that I think we've misread a lot because it makes it sound like Jesus on the cross is the object of God's wrath. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think Jesus is the object of God's wrath. I think Jesus is God's wrath. Jesus is God's wrath on sin and death. Jesus is not somehow at odds with the Father, and the Father is not odds with Jesus. I know Paul will say that he became sin for us so that on the cross all this happened. So the work did take place on the cross. But you shouldn't see it as some work that somehow God was going to exact it on Jesus. You should see as God working in Jesus, exacting that judgment on sin and death. On those things that would harm people, right? Which will change our shame into praise. I know you've struggled with things. I have too. We just need to give it to God. Let go of those things. Stop trying to imagine that you're going to do it yourself. Trust that God is faithful. That Jesus was faithful. And that work is being done. Now this doesn't mean we don't participate again, right? If you have an extra coat, you should give it. If you have extra food, you should share it. But that's because we're participating in what God is doing. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. And that's what brings us to sweet hymns of joy. In grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy name. Let all within us praise his holy name. There is an epistle passage in the lectionary for this week, it's paired up with Zephaniah and with the bit from Isaiah that we read with the candle and with the Luke passage. The epistle passage comes from Philippians, and it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Right? That's exactly what Zephaniah said. God is in the midst. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Paul to the Philippians. And I think in a very real way, that's also Paul to us on this third Sunday of Advent that we should rejoice. And in prayer and supplication, we bring all things to the Father. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.